my god oh my god the whole entire conversation are you freaking kidding me thing. Uh, oh my god do we want to do it oh wait you have to uh, go to work right no actually i don't that's why i did it this early but like i still hate myself Oh man. Well, I'm good to stick around if you want to. Yes. Uh, let's do this. I cannot believe we had a whole entire. I did hit record when we started. I, totally I know I did. It. Uh, this. I hate Zoom. Zoom. Is- I'm just gonna be leaning back in my chair now. I hope my mic isn't too close to my face. Okay. So um. <clears throat> Welcome, everybody, to our first companion episode of Howl, the podcast. I am Cheyenne, and I'm the creator, co-writer, co-director. Let me just start that from the beginning. That was terrible. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first companion episode of Howl, the podcast. My name is Cheyenne Lynn. I am the creator. Uh, Today, I am here with Shannon Farrell, who is um, my co-director and co-writer. First and foremost, how did you get involved with HAL? Ooh, um, this is a great story. I went to school with uh, Catherine Giftsema, who's the voice of Sonia, and uh, we were in a show together and we went to go see a show. Um, And then I think afterwards we were just looking to hang out and go for a drink. So uh, we went to a bar and lo and behold, we ran into uh, you and uh, another pal of yours. I had actually recognized you from the Winona Earp Fan Expo panel from like 20 whenever. Um, and because I, I remember Rose, I remember your dog. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is so cute. Um, I just remember thinking like that person's tattoos are sick. Uh, <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, Winona Earp fans, they're always cool, uh, usually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually mentioned that to you. And then I think we just got chatting about Winona Earp. And then you were talking about uh, Howl. You basically pitched me Howl and that uh, you uh, were kind of outsourcing for a co-writer. So I, uh, I, I jumped on board. I immediately jumped on board. As a playwright, I was like, let's do film and television. Let's see if we can do that. <laughs> I mean, best um, advice, pitch people when they're drunk. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And three years later, it's the only drunken decision that I still support. Yes. <laughs> I will ask you what about what about Howell um made you go I think I need a co-writer for this because you are the main creator person um this is your your baby what about Howell made you go I can bring somebody else onto this okay so I've been before I even pitched you before I even moved to Canada because I'm not originally from here I'm from Florida <laughs> uh, but I came here via Korea <laughs> um, I've been with this story for 10 years, starting off. My best friend asked me at 3 a.m., what would you do if your girlfriend was a werewolf? And I kind of took that question and ran with it, mapped it out on the back of a Chinese takeout menu, and then kept going. So what brought me to bringing other people into this project, finding a co-writer, because I've never done that before. This is my first experience. Um, I decided, uh, since I've been with this story for ever, and my experience can only take me so far, I've built this sandbox. Let's see other people play in it. 
I needed another perspective, fresh eyes on it, and just looking for the right fit. Mm. Now here we are. I had, I had fresh eyes. <laughs> I, my prescription got worse over the pandemic, but at the time. <laughs> you mentioned you were a playwright. So how is how different from what you normally work on? Plays, uh, you only have, I mean, you can you can do trilogies and stuff like that. Like people have done that. Like um, Susanna Fournier has a great trilogy called The Empire. But you you consistently have to mix up the characters for those things. And I feel like with plays, you're looking for an evening of a story, right? You're looking for like thirty minutes to two hours, um, and typically beginning, middle, end. There's a big wrap up. Whereas uh, my first time writing for film and television like this, it's so nice that we have like all of these characters and time to spend on them. Um, you know, we can have 10 to 12 episodes where we can work on everybody's story and build them each episode. Um, even if they're following their own plot, it's really, really nice that we have time to take care of these characters. And we also have time to show when they're being silly, when it's not always about the plot. Um, whereas I find with plays, you are consistently coming back to your main action all the time. And it always has to be about why you're here. Why is this play going on? Whereas Howell, yes, we do have a main reason why we're here, but there's that reason changes every single episode. Like we're learning with the characters and I think that that's so fun uh, and it can go on for seasons and seasons and seasons we hope just having that extra time being able to take that care has been really 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 lovely and it's such a relief to oh, yes there's more episodes where I can expand on this one thing Excellent. <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to cram it into one script because we are uh, talking about styles of writing and whatnot I'm going to ask you um who or what inspired you to write Howl? What made you go, there's an audience for this and I'm going to find them? <laughs> Outside of the, what would you do if your, your girlfriend was a lesbian or was, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be very happy if my girlfriend was a lesbian. Um, yeah. What would you do if your girlfriend was a werewolf? Outside of that, I stumbled onto Carmilla which is a Canadian web series about vampires. And it was successful um, internationally. It was huge. It kind of just blew up. I figured if they could do it with vampires, I could do it with werewolves. And from Carmilla, I found Way Hot. Way Hot being the ship name of Nicole and Waverly on Winona Earp, mm -hmm. which I got sucked into that fandom and how we met between uh, Carmilla and Winona Earp, I knew there was an audience out there. And I have a love of just 80s horror films of like old creature features, um, American Werewolf in London, Ginger Snaps, that's not 80s, but you know what I mean. Um, the Howling, those, yeah. those three are like my go-to werewolf films. Um, I just wanted to bring those kind of vibes and update them, make them modern and make them gay and make them people of color. And throw that all in a pot and you get how. 
I love that. My next question for you would be, what has been the most difficult part of working on HAL for you? Uh, just the beginning, the adjustment from theater into film and television. I mentioned before, I had never co-written anything, so I wasn't quite used to building off of someone else's ideas. I'd never done that before, and I think I was like overly cautious with it a little bit sometimes because I didn't want to steer this thing in a place that you did not want it to go. My job initially in the beginning was kind of, I was just going off of beat sheets that you had written, and uh, it was like plot point, plot point, and I have to find the tether between A and B and that was really fun that was like a really good start into fully writing my, my own episodes um because that idea was super daunting to me at the time I was like I don't I because I felt like I didn't really know these characters yet and how was I supposed to write a full episode from scratch if I didn't know how these characters would start a conversation or um how they're influenced by their environment or what their relationship to each other is um but that was hard not because it was frustrating or angering in any way it was just a change and an adjustment i'll say that's the hardest part and i'm glad to this day that remains the most difficult part there's not not been anything that i've been like oh god i don't know what i'm doing because you were talking about um movies that uh, uh influenced you do you have a favorite horror movie yes it will have to be ginger snaps written by karen walton it's a canadian independent oh. film uh, it was shot out here in well Hamilton. I did a whole presentation on Ginger Snaps in film school. I love it so much because the whole plot of the thing is just this girl gets bit around the same time she has her first period and she's like oh is this normal or am I turning into a monster? Like are tails normal when you have your first period? It's like what is this? <laughs> so she starts getting hair in weird places and it's like yeah this is fine this is fine and I, I just found that amazing and then I actually uh, had an opportunity to actually meet Karen Walton and we both cried we took shots it was amazing we've been friends ever since it was one of the instances where it's like I highly recommend you meet your heroes because she is such a sweet and supportive woman and it's like oh you're a writer you want to be a writer go out there and write I will help you any way I can Shout out, Karen. Oh, you were talking about co-writing. It's also my first experience with co-writing. What are your plans for Howl coming into it? Ooh, my plans for Howl? Um, we've established that, you know, talking about shows like um, Lost Girl, Winona Earp, Vagrant Queen, that there's an audience for this stuff. You know, there's a, a strong queer audience we've seen with Carmilla. My plans for, for Howl are, is just to for it to continue, honestly. You know, like just when we thought that we had done everything, we were like, we haven't done a podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's awesome. It's such good proof that this show and these scripts can survive on any medium, really. Like you could do podcasts, you could do animation, you could do a film, you could do an hour long episode. Um, it just belongs in so many places and it can be finessed to belong in those places. Um, and I think it does belong. I think it's just a, 
a question of room. People <laughs> gotta make room for the queer shit and the BIPOC shit and they don't. Um, but I, I, I think that my plans for Howl are just for it to continue to watch it grow and uh, see, see all the other things that it could be. Cause I don't know, we talked about comics, we talked about video games, we talked about board games, like it, it could be everywhere. That's why I'm like 100% behind it too, because I think it's, it's great that it lives on so many things. What I will say is that I have not figured out how to make this a play, but I could if you wanted me to. <laughs> I, I think it definitely belongs in an episodic atmosphere. It's a new challenge for me one day. I touched a little bit on this idea of like making room for certain representation. What do you think in regards to representation obviously needs to be improved in the film and television industry? Um, Canadian specific or just everywhere. You've, you've lived in Florida, you've lived in Korea. Is there a difference in that kind of, in those mediums or is it still like, well, we really still need more gay stuff, guys. <laughs> we'll always need more gay stuff. Um, my experience uh, with fandom and television is I have to cherry pick my representation. Mm. Um, I either get amazing BIPOC representation or I get amazing queer representation. Can't have both. Um, and if I do have both, then it's canceled or I'm, I'm left fighting for more. I don't want to fight anymore. I'm tired. I spent the last year fighting for TV shows. Um, I don't want to do it anymore, so I'm throwing my energy into making shows. If I can't find the representation I'm looking for, I will create it. I, I believe you have. I just want to ask a follow-up question to that, um, because this is an incredibly diverse um, cast we have, um, but we have a pretty diverse behind the scenes as well. I want to ask you, how important it, um, is it to have a diverse behind the scenes crew um, as well as um, uh, on the microphone. <laughs> uh, since our crew is a grand total of three people, um, it's important for me to give opportunities to queer and BIPOC um, communities because mm. those opportunities are harder for us to find either in front of the camera, behind the camera, especially behind the camera. Um, just speaking in, um, what I've experienced in film and television. Um, I've been lucky. I met some amazing uh, creators like BIPOC TV and film, that nonprofit is doing phenomenal things. Um, shout out to Natalie Young. But they, they exist for a reason because it's still, it's still very hard for BIPOC creators to get out there and like strut their stuff. Um, so I always, come at a project or anything I do, I try and make it where I'm the first and most definitely not the last. I will hold the door open for you instead of closing it and locking the door and saying, hey, just find a window or like go around back. I wanna make sure that, that this kind of representation, this kind of work always builds on itself just snowballs into until everybody is like, oh, like there's no white people on this. All right, cool. That's fine. Moving yeah. on. I wanted to get it to that point where 
you don't have to write a news report on it. Since this is just kind of going off topic, what does hell mean to you? What does howl mean to me? Um, actually, just expanding on what you were talking about, howl for me, I think, as a product, it's incredibly important that it gets made. Just because you know you were you were talking about being like being one of the people to make room for you know people that need the room, <laughs> like white people don't need any more room. They man spread all the time. I think howl for me personally is has been a fantastic room to be in because it is not centered around um, a white experience. Uh, it, it, it's left up to me as a writer to take the opportunities to listen and realize when I can give my two cents on something and when it's not my time to speak, when this is someone else's experience that they're sharing and I need to listen. Uh, because yes, I understand the queer experience, but I don't understand the queer black experience. I don't understand any other experience like that. Um, and that's something that is so uh, prominent in the script. So I think um, for me, it's been a fantastic life has given me a, a swift like clip on the back of the head and just been like, not everything is made for you. Get over yourself. Enjoy being a part of this and learn from these experiences that people are willing to share with you in this environment. Learn as much as you possibly can without asking too many questions, which is actually the best way to learn. Cause you will have people just rant and give you that experience and tell you exactly how they're feeling. I've realized things on Howl as a writer, like a note that you gave me on like a monologue that I gave Kinney, just the, the tail end of it where I think all she's doing is like freaking out on Houston, but you edited it and let me know that it was because it sounded like it was coming from a white person. And I realized as a writer, I was like, oh, that's because it, it was, I wasn't writing in character. I was writing how Shannon talks. You, things like that are noticeable to some, but not noticeable to me. Right. I also have to understand that I'm not exactly the main audience. So that was so nice to have that learning experience from that funny little way of how things can totally change perspectives so easily and how important it is to listen and to really pay attention to these characters and who they are and to the creator as well. Um, when you give notes like that, um, Obviously, there are some things that I'm able to write, some things that I'm not well-versed in. Uh, so that's where you take over, which I'm ever grateful for. I'm also happy to be given the space and given the room um, for it to not be uh, bad. You know, it's not bad. We're all learning. We'll always be learning. But I'm happy to do it. And I'm happy to do it in environments like this where it's so welcoming. You and I get along like a house on fire. So I'm not, not afraid to be like, Shannon, it's this and this and this, not this and this and this. And I love that. As a writer, just tell me what the issue is. I will not be embarrassed at all. I thought that note was hilarious <laughs> and a fantastic awakening. It does sound like a white woman. I love how we balance each other out writing. I feel like we got very, I got very lucky finding you um, uh, as a co-writer because you your focus is on deltas and all of their struggles and stuff mine's on the wolves your experiences are completely different from mine um we can give each other notes without either one of us getting 
personally offended. I don't have to be afraid to be like, Shannon, this is a really white line. I'm going to just change this. Okay. <laughs> and you're, you're not afraid to actually call me out. I may be the creator, but I'm not infallible. We're on two different lanes, but we're driving in the same direction. And that's why it works so well. I think yeah. it's such a good partnership for sure. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? Do you have any other ideas? Is a Howl spinoff eminent or what's going um, on? I want to get Howl on its legs first, but yeah, since this has been the first idea that I've really picked up and ran with for a decade, good Lord. Howl for me is going to be laying the groundwork for my version of Spooky Gate Shondaland. I want to create a universe that is queer and supernatural characters living together, not exactly in harmony because there's no drama in that. The conflict. You need the conflict. <laughs> but they're all just living together. So the idea after this would be uh, lesbian mermaids. I'm flirting with the idea of uh, lesbian grim reapers. I just want Spooky Gay Shondaland is my end game. So... I love that. I love that for you. This is my last question. I want to know as the original creator idea person, what are your hopes for Howl? Not just like where you want to see it go, but uh, what do you hope people get from it? What are you hoping our, our fan base connects on mostly? I just want people to see themselves. I'm targeting the queer um, BIPOC community because we need this kind of rut, but I just want people to relate to it. I want them to find a favorite character and be like, yeah, I'm so totally a Houston. I want them to go out and create a siblinghood just like the Deltas. Just get a bunch of your friends together and go hunt werewolves, you know, yeah. like people do. Have your own pack. Think of the merch. Oh, all of the merch. I'll know I've made it when someone makes art for how when there's fans out there doing fan art or doing fan fiction when fans really start engaging with it then I'll be like I've made it if there is an animatic of the podcast out there I will freaking love you please give me that I can't draw worth a darn please I want people to find other people through this have a group of friends. Oh, you like that weird ass werewolf lesbian show? Me too. I want a healthy fandom, not a toxic one. I just want a healthy, a healthy collaborative fandom. Be kind to each other and respect each other's opinions. Exactly. I've got a couple of questions. Uh, okay. Just two more. So what is your favorite moment or your favorite part of working on how? Spoiler free, preferably. My favorite part about working on Howl. Well, I love writing with you. This has been like the best co-writing experience, I think, that I could have had. I feel like I've talked to somebody about co-writing with you and they've been like, you got lucky because that like never happens. <laughs> um, especially when it's like, you and I were not friends before. Like we literally started as writing partners and then became friends. And I'm like, that is so backwards, but I'm so <laughs> out. Um, so the co-writing experience has been excellent. Um, working with our cast too, with the podcasts, we're able to, um, direct episodes 
and I got to direct uh, one and will be directing two. But those are like directing for a podcast. That's something that I never thought I'd be doing. So I think wrapping all of that into one, like my, my, my favorite thing about working on Howl has just been um, the new experiences being so fun and so effortless. Like everyone is so helpful and supportive even talking to the cast at our like first rehearsal, everybody was like talking about recording tips and DIY things that you can do and like, talking about characters and their backstory. All of that is a collaborative thing. It's just been so lovely and so healthy. Um, so I think that's the experiences that I've accumulated um, from Howl, things that I had didn't think that I'd ever do um, have been awesome. Even if I was nervous about them in the beginning, they've worked out so well. So I'm very excited to start directing episode two. Very that's, excited. That makes me smile hearing all that because that's what my intention was, especially coming onto this project. I wanted it to be like a safe collaborative space and I'm glad that came across. It is, um, man. No drama. I have one final question and it's, it's a fun one. What character do you relate to the most? Definitely not one because I am too chaotic, <laughs> but I feel like I am the best parts of Kinney and the worst parts of Krista. The best parts of Kinney are like the amount of care, the amount of passion that she has for her work, um, for lore. Cause I also love lore. I love mythology. I love history to be honest. So I get that. I feel like Krista is definitely like me. She's like a Virgo. <laughs> because I feel like she gets very defensive when questioned in her authority. And I feel like sometimes that comes out <laughs> when I'm stage managing or just doing anything. I think it's just a Virgo trait, honestly. It's like, I don't allow myself to make mistakes. And that's, that's crap. You should always allow yourself to make mistakes. I think that's something that Krista also doesn't do. She doesn't allow herself to make mistakes. Um, so yeah, I'll say best parts of Kinney, worst parts of Krista. That's interesting. I relate to Kinney. I wrote this 10 years ago. So I wrote a lot of myself in Kinney unintentionally. Uh, and it's been interesting seeing the growth of Kinney. At the time, Kinney was who I was and Houston was who I wanted to be. Now I'm more like Houston than I am like Kenny. I like the little arc that I've got going for myself. I think I've seen that growth in you, which is great. Thank you. I just want to say one final thing before I let you wrap up because you're better at it than I am. <laughs> I love how fearless you are with me. I can be, oh, hey, Shannon, I want to mm. pitch this web series or like I'm going to pitch to Netflix and you're just like, yep, let's do it. Just tell me time and place and we'll be there. And I'm like, freaking awesome. I got hella lucky with finding you. You're just as gung-ho about it as I am. Um, like, we're going to shoot for the moon and you're just like, yeah, great. Um, if, we, if we fail, then we're landing among stars. I just want to say thank you. I mean, how are we going to know if it works if we don't try, right? Yeah, absolutely.
Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, very first companion episode of Howl the Podcast. Uh, you can catch new episodes of Howl bi-weekly every new moon or uh, full moon for you mystically inclined folk out there. You can also get uh, our companion episodes in between those weeks where you're waiting on episodes. Uh, we will have interviews like this with myself and Cheyenne. You get to know a little bit more about our cast. You get to hear more of their lovely voices. Who doesn't want that? Uh, if you would like to follow us on our socials, you can check us out in the uh, description box there. We've got all our handles there, uh, as well as our main Howl uh, accounts, uh, at Hear Us Howl. You can follow us up there for updates on episodes, more behind the scenes fuel, anything like that, contests, stuff like that. Thank you so much for joining us on our very first companion episode. We will see you next time. <laughs> and we were recording that time. So